the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have an enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Hello and welcome to Excel Today. I trust that you've had a great week. It's always a joy and a great delight to share fellowship with you in God's word. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for a new month and for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your preservation upon our lives. Thank you, Lord, for this moment of feeding and feasting at your table. We ask the Lord, your, your breath will rest upon your word. Let your word come with clarity, simplicity, and yet with power. Let no life, let no individual watching now or may do so thereafter ever remain the same. Be glorified in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. All right, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to 17 is our text. Ephesians 5, 15 to 17. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So, this is part six, living as wise, part six. In part five, we started looking at a wise man wins souls. That is Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. He said, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. The question we've been asking is, how does a wise man live? If you are wise, how do you live your life? Scripture helps us to identify key attributes, key things about wise people. That helps us to know that this is a way to live your life in wisdom, and this is a way to live your life in foolishness. If a man lives as wise, there are a number of things they will do. Number one, we said that a wise man will live his life by acknowledging God's existence and lordship over his life. Number two, we said a wise man will live his life by developing a rich relationship with God. And number three, we are saying that a wise man lives his life by winning souls for Christ. Soul winning is a business of the wise. Soul winning is the most important job anybody can be privilege to participate and all of us who are born again everyone that has given his life to christ everyone that has become a child of god has been given that ministry we call it the ministry of reconciliation where we are to use every means use every resource use every avenue use every skill use every wisdom we have in order to be able to reach out to many people and reconcile them, help them become reconciled to God. That is basically what the business of soul winning 
is all about. In our earlier episodes, we touched on what it means to be a soul winner. And we touched on the fact that a soul winner is one who is personally committed to the reconciliation of lost souls to Christ. We also said that a soul winner has, is one who has responded to the Father's call to go and bring forth abiding fruit. We are not just sent forth to go bring forth fruit. We are sent to go bring forth abiding fruit. The fruit we bring forth must be fruit that abides. We must bring forth fruit that is enduring. That is what we've been called into. Last week, we also touched on four basic components of soul winning. Number one, we said that the first component is a praying component. We cannot reach out to souls and get them established without prayer. And then we talked about the going component. And we said that going has two folds. You go personally or you send others who are ready and willing to go. And then when we go, we are to bring. John 16, 15. I've sent you forth. Go and bring forth food. Let your food abide. And then when we go and we bring, we are to establish. Today, we want to continue in that same series on what it takes to win souls. What does it take to win souls? What does it take to win souls? If we have established, haven't established the four components that are critical as far as the business of soul winning is concerned, four pillars of soul winning, we want to understand what it takes to win souls. What does it take to be able to become a great soul winner, become an outstanding soul winner? How can you live your wise by winning multitudes of souls for the Lord? What does it take? What do you need? Number one is wisdom. If you are going to be a soul winner, you need wisdom. The Bible said, he that winneth souls is wise. It takes wisdom to be able to engage another person and get them saved. It takes wisdom to be able to speak with the wisdom of God, to be able to speak persuasively, to present the gospel in a simplest form. It takes wisdom to know the right time to engage people so that they can be open and responsive to the gospel. Colossians chapter 4, verse 5 to 6, it says, Behave yourselves wisely, living prudently and with discretion in your relations with those of the outside world, the non-Christians, making the very most of the time and season and buying up the opportunity. Let your speech at all times be gracious, pleasant, and winsome, season as it were with salt, so that you may never be at loss to know how you ought to answer anyone who puts a question to you. I like the fact that he says, living prudently and with discretion in relation with those of the outside world. When it comes to unbelievers, the Bible encourages us to be wise in our dealings with them. Because without working in wisdom towards those who are without, we will miss out the opportunities and the specific to drink. He knew how to get a conversation going. When you sit in the bus and you have somebody sitting by your side, you know how to engage them in a conversation. When somebody brings a matter that is so overwhelming to you, do you know how to speak to them, listen to them, and somewhere along the line, smuggle in the gospel? That's what we are talking about. It takes wisdom, a great deal of wisdom and discernment to be able to present the gospel in a simplistic form so men can respond and place their faith in Christ. So first and foremost, what does it take to win souls? Wisdom is what it takes to win souls. Number two is compassion for lost souls. Compassion for lost souls. You need 
compassion. It takes compassion. Compassion. The Bible says in Jude 1, 22 and 23, and of some having compassion, making a difference. If you are going to make a difference in the lives of people through the gospel, you need to be compassionate. The Bible said the love of Christ constrained us. When we look at what is ahead, in eternity for those who have not placed their faith in Christ, we must naturally be moved with compassion to help them. When we look at the eternal destiny of everyone who is not born again, regardless of how lavishly they live their lives on the earth, their eternal destiny is at risk. And when we think about that, that in all of eternity, anyone who does not put his faith in Christ will be spending that time uh, in hell, fire, where the torment never goes away, we need to. We just cannot help but to reach out with them and preach the gospel unto them. The Bible says, and of some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear. What fear? The fear of eternal domination. The fear of hell fire. When we think about these, the Bible says we should snatch some out of pulling them out of fire. We should pull them out of fire. The price has been paid and they don't need to land in hell. Our business is to engage them compassionately with the gospel of Christ. Look at what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 9 verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. If there was one thing that moved Christ in order to reach out to people constantly and everywhere he went, it was compassion. Christ was compassionate. Apostle Paul was compassionate. If you are going to be great soul winners, we need compassion for the Lord. Do you sincerely care about those of your friends who are not born again? Do you sincerely care about those of your mates, colleagues at work? Who live their lives loosely? Who, who have no consciousness of eternity? Who think that life is all lived here and there is nothing uh, after death? We need to be compassionate. I pray that passion for the lost, compassion for the lost, will be birthed in your heart afresh. Even as you listen to this broadcast or watch this broadcast, in the name of our Lord Jesus. So compassion is critical. It is compassion to reach out consistently. It is compassion to pray for people. It is compassion to reach out to people. It is compassion. Without compassion, there is no way we can aggressively and effectively reach out to lawsuits and get them established for Christ. So compassion is important. Number three, the third thing that is essential and critical for effective soul winning is intercession, continuous intercession. Obviously, that which will bring you into the place of intercession is compassion to see lost souls saved. When you are compassionate about lost souls, you'll be moved to pray for them. You'll be moved to intercede for them. You remember when God wanted to bring judgment upon the nation of Israel, Moses said, if you are going to kill the people, then kill me. That is compassion. The man Abraham stood before God and he debated and engaged with God in prayer. He negotiated, if you get 50 people, will you destroy? If you get 40 people, will you destroy? If you get 20 people, will you destroy? He counted all the way till God could not get even 10 people. Then judgment came. That is how we need to stand in the place of intercession and constantly make a peace unto God. This was Apostle Paul's lifestyle. Romans chapter 10 verse 1. He says, my heart desire, my brethren, my heart desire and prayer to God for you is that you might be saved. 
salvation can never become a reality in the life of people until constant intercession has been made for such people. Because the reality is that no man can come except the Father which sent him draws them. No one can come. John chapter 6 verse 44. He said, no man can come unto me except the Father which sent me draws them. And how would the Father draw them? The Father draws them as we go on our knees and we begin to constantly intercede for such people. We constantly pray for people. The Bible said, without me, you can do nothing. Your eloquence is great. Your wisdom and strategies to engage them are great. But ultimately, conviction is of a Holy Spirit. And prayer is that platform where conviction is birthed, where the revival fire of God is birthed. You remember on the day of Pentecost, when they had waited in the place of prayer and the Holy Ghost came, Apostle Peter preached and the Bible said they asked, what shall we do, men and brethren? What must we do to be saved? Why? The prayer had worked on their heart that they couldn't help but to respond. The Bible says that by strength shall no man prevail. By strategy shall no man prevail. By skill shall no man prevail. We need the wisdom of God and we need that wisdom being processed or engaged on the altar of prayer. So that is number one, we said wisdom. Number two is compassion for lost souls. Number three is prayer. Number four is friendly disposition towards sinners. You, if you are going to be a soul winner, you must have sinners around you. If there are no sinners around you, I don't know how you are going to win souls. So you cannot be living your life like a recluse or a hermit. No, you have to reach out to them, engage them. You cannot be in an office and you don't associate with those who are not born again. You have to find a way to be friendly with them. One of the things that was said about Jesus, they called him the friend of sinners and publicans. That was how Christ was able to win them. The Bible says, he that will have friends must show himself friendly. That is Proverbs 18.24. If you are going to win souls, if you are going to win friends, you have to have a friendly disposition. How, why don't you engage people in your office? Ask them how they are doing, how their families are doing, whatever they are doing. Show great interest in it. They don't have to be Christians for you to show a sense of care, a sense of interest, a sense of uh, love towards them. You, everybody, one thing no man can reject is genuine love. When love is expressed genuinely, no man can reject that. And that's what we have been given. The Bible said, but this all men will know that we are his disciples because there is a love that is exuding out of our lives. And that's exactly what the Bible tells us to do. John chapter 11, verse 18 and 19. For John came not eating nor drinking. And they said, he had a devil. I'm sure that John, John had a posture. He will not eat with sinners. He will not. That, that. <laughs> John will not associate with anybody. In fact, when sinners were even coming to them, he, he was insulting them. You brood of vipers and uh, all kinds of things. He was saying all kinds of things. But Jesus came. He was different. The son of man came eating and drinking. And they said, behold, a man glutinous, a wine biber, a friend of publicans and sinners. That's why he could win them. Jesus was friendly with sinners. Jesus did not hate sinners. Jesus loved sinners. He cared about them enough for him to even visit them. You remember, he went to the house of a notorious uh, tax collector by the name of Zacchaeus. And by the time he left Zacchaeus' house, he was a brand new man. He had become a new Christian. It takes the wisdom of God 
to be able to hang out with sinners and not sin with them. What I'm saying is that encouraging you to go sin with sinners. No. The Bible talks about that here. He said wisdom is justified of her children. When the wisdom of God is at work in our lives, there is a way the wisdom of God guides us to be able to relate with sinners, be a solution to their problems, by, and through that, a door is open for us to be able to present the gospel to them in a way that they can but respond to it. So we need to have a friendly posture towards sinners. All your circle of the people around you cannot all be Christians. If that, that happens to be the case, you can't win anybody. But of course, you have to be minded so that you don't get into their... You are, everybody is trying to influence someone. They are trying to influence, you are trying to influence them. And you, the power of God is on your side. The word of God is on your side. But you need to, you cannot reach out to them, speak to them. They cannot open up to you. So that you can also present the gospel to them to meet their area of need until there is friendship, until there is a relationship. So it's important that we consciously, I call it strategic relationship. You are, you are relating with the unsafe strategically. You are relating with them purposefully. And the agenda is clear. Every opportunity, you are looking for the best opportunity to be able to present the gospel to them. You are not just relating with them because you lack friends or you want them to be your confidant. No, you are relating with them with the purpose in mind looking for the best opportunity so you can preserve the gospel of Christ to them. That is critical. We call it friendly posture. You need to have a friendly posture. If you are going to be a soul winner, you need to have a friendly posture towards sinners. Some of us are too much into ourselves to be able to win souls. You sit in the bar, somebody is sitting on your left, somebody is sitting on your right. You sit in a plane, somebody is sitting on your right, somebody is sitting. You just sit there quietly. You carry the good news. You carry the message that can deliver them from eternal damnation. And you keep quiet. You can't afford to do that. So take the initiative. Don't wait for people to come to you. Take the initiative to go to them. Why? Because you carry a message that can make a difference in their lives. And you cannot stay away from them. So even when they are hostile, you still have to find a way to be able to get along with them. So you can uh, present to them the gospel of Christ. Number five is courage and boldness to share the gospel. You need it. That is what it takes to share the gospel. Apart from wisdom, apart from compassion, apart from, apart from uh, continuous intercession for lost souls, apart from friendly disposition or posture towards sinners, we need to be courageous and bold in order to share the gospel. There are people that when you meet them, they, they look like uh, uh, above you. But you see, nobody is above the gospel. They may, because of their personality, because of what they have, because of the influence they wield in the natural, you may be naturally afraid or uh, intimidated by their presence. But you cannot be. Paul spoke to Timothy. He said, for God had not given you the spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and of boldness. That is the spirit we have. The early church, they prayed for the spirit of boldness. Why? Because it takes boldness to be able to preach the gospel. Paul was speaking about it. He said, pray for us that we may be able to speak the word of God with boldness. We must have the courage and the boldness to preach the gospel. The person you are afraid of, that person needs the gospel. Reach out to them. Step out in faith. God will grant you utterance. 
You may not know where to start from, but when you start, the Holy Ghost will take over your tongue and you'll be able to speak the word of God with boldness. There are too many Christians who go around, I am shy, I am shy. You can be shy about many things, but you can't be shy about presenting the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation and you cannot afford to be shy about the gospel. You have to be bold. You have to be audacious about the gospel. The gospel message is so important that you cannot be ashamed of it. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and to the Greek. That is it. We are called to preach the word instant in season and out of season. That cannot happen except we do so with boldness. Number six is continuous invitation of unsaved friends and family members regularly to church. It's always important. It, it, the power in an invitation cannot be underestimated. There are people you preach to them, they will not respond. You give them all kinds of things, they will not respond. But when you invite them to church, you never know. Sometimes, they, they will just come, they, they praise and worship. The Spirit of God just arrest them. A drama administration can go on the Spirit of God arrest them. It's simple. God has diverse ways of catching people's attention. And we must use all means. Preach to them, invite them to any means possible. We must employ all means so that by all means we can save some. That's it. If it means inviting them to church, if it means paying their taxi fare to church, if it means going and waiting on them and bringing them to church, do so. When the Samaritan woman went, she just went and told the story. When she, the Bible says the whole city came just through the power of an invitation. He said, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. And when they came, they believed not because of the woman's testimony, but because of their own unique encounter with the Messiah. That's what we are talking about. So don't be in church and be someone who just comes to church and go. Constantly at every service, whether it's a midweek service or it's a Sunday service, seize the opportunity, invite someone and come along with the person. And as you have invited them, pray that the Spirit of God will bring them the right way. The Spirit of God will encounter them in the service so that they can come to a place of transformation. Of course, number seven is godly living before the unsaved. The Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. There's a way that our good works has a way of appealing and speaking to people. The Bible said by this, all men will know we are his disciples when they see us walking in love. That is very, very powerful. Love walk has a way of communicating and bringing conviction unto people. The Bible said we are the epistles written in our hearts, known and read of all men. We are the epistles. Our lives, people read our lives. When we live a life that brings glory and dignity to the gospel, other people would want to be like us. And they would want to know the secret why we are able to love our spouses, why we are able to stay committed and faithful to our bosses, why we are able to keep our commitment, why we are able to be faithful in money matters. They want to know. And then we tell them, this is not by mind or by power. It's Christ in me that is making the difference. That in itself becomes a living and a very powerful testimony. In closing, is aggressive follow-up of new converts until they become established. It's not enough to go. It's not enough to engage people wisely. It's not enough to be compassionate about people. It's not enough to intercede consistently for people. It's not enough 
to be friendly with people is not enough to let our lives so shine. It's important that once we share the gospel with people, we follow them up aggressively. Sometimes we go, but we, we are not able to follow up people aggressively. You see, Satan will put all manner of resistances. He will resist you from preaching the gospel. And when you preach it, he will harden the hearts of people from listening. And after they have also opened up and accepted the gospel, he will make sure that they don't commit to the local church where they can be nourished and discipled into uh, uh, maturity. So Satan will always find a way to stop the work of evangelism. That's why we must also use all avenues, every means, whether it is prayer, whether it's follow-up. Once people are saved, we need to follow them up aggressively. We need to follow them up in prayer. We need to follow them up until they are established and rooted in Christ. Winning souls and leaving them outside the church is not, it's just like giving birth to a child and then the child has no mother to uh, give her breast milk or whatever to grow. It will not happen. The Bible says, as newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. Where do they get that sincere milk of the word? When we bring them into church, they are nurtured. The church is the pillar and the ground of the truth. They become part of God's family. And as they are taught the principles of God's word, they are able to grow and become established. So we need to aggressively follow people up. Paul said in Galatians chapter 4 verse 19, he said, My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in thee. I travail in birth the first time so Christ will be born in you. And now he says, I'm traveling again that Christ will be formed in you. That the nature and the character of Christ will become a practical experience in your life. That was Paul. He prayed for people to be saved and he prayed even after they were saved. If you read the book of Ephesians, he said, I cease not to give thanks unto God for you ever since I heard of your faith and love, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and love unto all the saints. I pray that we will engage these keys and as we engage them, may we become effective soul winners as we live our lives wisely. Never forget, wise people live their lives by aggressively going after souls getting them saved, getting them established, and getting them discipled. May you live your life as wise from today and always. The Lord bless you. I look forward to having you join me same time next week as we continue on how wise people live or living as wise. Till I see you same time next week. Remain blessed and maximize the grace of God. If you want to accept Jesus and make him your Lord and Savior, you want to say this prayer after me. Mean every word. And then believe it in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess that you are my Lord and my Savior. I believe with my heart that you died and rose again for me. By my belief, I am justified. And by my confession, I am saved. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And amen. If you pray that prayer in faith, you are a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God bless you. We look forward to having you join us again and again. We are blessed. Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or 
Email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afwakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our service at our headquarter church from 8.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. for our good news service. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santasa Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel, Facebook or YouTube pages. God richly bless you. No, no.